everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. We did a season called Out of Egypt, probably my favorite season we've ever done. We talked about the children of Israel leaving slavery in Egypt and going to find freedom so they can worship the Lord, right? This all culminates at the arrival of Mount Sinai in the Promised Land. They arrive to where God has called them to be. They go through the wilderness. They have no water. They have no food. They face suffering. Yet a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night leads them through the unknown to the place that God has prepared and promised them. So they get to the foot of Mount Sinai. And when they're there, they, Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to receive instruction from the Lord. And they get bored at the base of the mountain. They, they, they literally, it just tells you, they, they get bored. And so they say, hey, Moses hadn't come down. Let's all pile our gold together and melt it down and build us a golden calf. So they build a golden calf. And then they say, hey, let's worship this golden calf. So they start worshiping the golden calf. And then they said, hey, there are no rules anymore. Let's all sleep together. So they all start sleeping together. And then they all start drinking and partying. And it is literally a drunken sexual festival at a golden calf when they had arrived at the place that God had led them. Sounds like a mess, right? Moses comes down the mountain. He looks at them. He goes nuts. He takes the calf. He grinds it down. He burns it. Once he burns it, he throws the ashes in the water. Then he gets a pitcher. He dips the pitcher in. He makes them drink it and says, look at what you have done. And then God says, I'm going to kill them all. I'm so I have led them here. They have disobeyed me. They haven't listened to me. They haven't honored me. They don't show me any reverence. They don't do what I ask them to do. They're all dead. Moses goes before God and he says, God, God, give me one more chance with this rebellious people. Give me one more shot. So he goes up to Mount Sinai. He begs God to give him one more chance with these out-of-control rebels. And God says, fine. You know what, Moses? You got one more crack at him. I won't kill him like I said I was going to. You can have him and see if you can lead them to a place of relationship with me. Moses comes back down the mountain. Exodus 34, verse 29. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he was aware that his face, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So he was in God's presence and his face began to radiate the presence of God. Verse 30. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. That word for afraid, circle it in your Bible. It is the same Hebrew word that God uses to describe Adam and Eve when they had sinned and eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and recognized that they were naked. And when they recognized they were naked, they clothed themselves because they were ashamed and they were embarrassed to be before God. It is a word that connotates a shame and an embarrassment and an uneasiness before the presence of God. This is what they were feeling. Maybe you're in here today and you feel somewhat similar of a fear. 
Maybe Monday through Saturday is great, and you know you should be in church on Sunday, so you come to church on Sunday, yet there is something in your life, or there is something that you are doing, or there is something that has happened to you, or there's something you keep looking at that has created a veil in your life that causes you to have some sort of shame or uneasiness or disqualification before God. So you're in here saying to yourself, man, I know I should be here, but I just feel a little uncomfortable. Like maybe, I'm, maybe God doesn't love me, or maybe God doesn't want to embrace me, or maybe I don't belong before the presence of God with people that are worshiping God. And maybe when I sing these worship songs, I just feel a little uneasy because of what is going on in my life. Listen to me. If that is you today, if you're sitting there squirming a little bit like, oh, pastor's reading my mail. I have a message for you of freedom. Do you want freedom? Let me just. So to paraphrase the rest of the text, Moses goes back and forth. He puts on the veil when he's before the people because they don't belong in the presence of God and they're ashamed of the presence of God and they're embarrassed of themselves. And then he goes up and continues this dance with meeting with God, face is radiant, comes back down, face has to be covered because they can't bear being in front of the Lord. Now, listen to 2 Corinthians 3, 11 through 18. Man, this is powerful. This is Paul. He says, so if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Here you go. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Verse 15. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. Verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Come on, be with me now. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He said, because in Jesus there is freedom. You don't have to live veiled anymore. You don't have to live ashamed anymore. You don't have to live embarrassed anymore. You don't have to live feeling inadequate anymore. Verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed, watch where we go with this, can see, not only can you see, but can reflect the glory of God. Do you see what just happened? Go from inadequate, don't belong, and embarrassed and ashamed, to being able to not only see, but now embrace and reflect. So you become a different person, and then on Monday in the office, you are a different person, because you are reflecting something different. So he finishes, whose spirit makes us more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about uh, Halloween is coming up soon. Isn't that nuts? 
I'm like, I want April back. Like, I don't even, I don't remember April, and I went into Home Depot the other day, and there is, there is Halloween decorations everywhere, right? There's the masks and the people and everything. I remember one Halloween. This is a rookie parent mistake. Listen to me, all of you soon-to-be parents or parent of one child, this is a rookie dad mistake. We had a mask. I don't even, I don't remember where we got it, how we got it, or whose it was, or what it was, but it was this, this monster mask, and I had it, and I had put it on, and I was like, oh, this will be really cool. I'll I'll surprise my daughter, Zion, right? I'll, I'll surprise her. She'll think it's awesome. So she was coming around the corner, and I remember, I was like, oh, this is so fun. Dad's a Halloween dad. You know, so she comes around, and right when I see her, I jump out, and I said, hey, baby. And she literally goes, ah, and like her legs went out. Body was paralyzed, fell to the ground, and was crawling backwards away from me, trying to get away from me. Talk about traumatizing your child, right? And I'm like, no! I mean, it's my little girl. I said, baby, come here. And she's, I ah, 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 started freaking out even more. And I ripped that mask off my face and I threw it across the room. And then she, when the mask came off, she saw me and she went from absolutely horrified to like, okay, now I, I, th- I said, come here, baby. And she comes up to me, jumps in my arms. I take a spinner like I always do. I pat her on the back. And she said, I said, baby, you're okay. And she said my ultimate favorite line that she ever says. She said, day, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Oh, honey, you're okay. And I was taking her face. I was saying, look, it's me. It's daddy. And she pointed out the mask and she said, <clears throat> he said, spooky. Daddy, I'm not okay. And then something happened. She recognized that me with the mask on was intimidating, was scary, was unapproachable. But when the mask came off, she found love. She found protection. She found hope. What is Paul saying here? He's saying Jesus removes the mask. Jesus takes away the veil. That's kind of ironic, preaching to a crowd in all masks, right? But he's saying, Jesus removes the veil. So you felt ashamed, you felt embarrassed, you felt like you didn't belong, and now you find hope. Now you find love. Now you find protection. Why? Because Jesus removes the veil. What did Paul say? You cannot have the veil removed without believing in Christ. So Paul gives us this clear picture that Jesus is the one that removes the veil that keeps us from the presence of God. And then when that veil is gone, we not only can be in the presence, but we can reflect the presence. And along with this, there are three points that he makes about this relationship with the veil gone. Are you ready to lose the veil today? Don't take your mask off. Don't take your mask off just yet. But we make the veil go away. In the midst of removal of the veil, what does that mean for us? What does that communicate to us? Three things that Paul gives us. Number one is longevity. Longevity. When the mask is gone, I have longevity with God. 2 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13. He says, so if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever. That is a Greek word of perpetual over and over and over into eternity and beyond. Closest word we have for it would probably be infinity. 
He is saying it remains forever and ever and ever and perpetually ever and ever and ever and over and over and over. Cheers, my man. All right. He says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. You know, we live in a world of instant gratification with long-term dissatisfaction. That is like the, the whole crux of the world is I want it now. Give it to me now. I don't care about a year from now. I want what I want now and have disregarded the long term. You know, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were in an interview together and Bill Gates looked at Warren Buffett. He said, what? He said, why? How, how, you're so rich. And he said, your investing strategy is so simple. He said, Warren, why aren't more people just rich like you? And Warren Buffett's answer was because nobody wants to get rich slow. Nobody's committed to the long term. Nobody's committed to longevity. It is moment by moment by moment. Can I tell you something? If you don't grasp a perspective of longevity with Christ, you will fall to the temptations of the moment. If you don't wrap in your mind that Christianity is more than a moment, it's a commitment of a lifetime. If you don't wrap in your mind, I live in longevity with God, you'll fall for the temptation of the, Who is a better example of this than the children of Israel? What did they do? Look at this. In Exodus, let me take you there really quick. I'm reading from Exodus 32, starting in verse 1. Here you go. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. They just gave up on the long term and said, I'll settle for the moment. They lost the mindset of longevity. But what does Paul say? Paul says, when the veil is gone. When the veil is away, I am in something that remains forever. Can I just tell you something really quickly? Because we're living in an age right now where the moments are crazy. I mean, it, it is like moment after moment after moment is crazy. And you know the moment that I'm hearing about the most? Election, coming November. It's the moment that could change everything. Can I, and let me tell you something. I believe it's an important moment. I believe all of us should do what we need to do and vote, and we should be a part of voting in that moment. But, but let me just remind you of something. You do realize that Jesus is going to last beyond the election, right? Oh, 11 o'clock. You do realize that 20 years from now, Jesus will still be on the throne. You realize that he is the one who remains forever. And I'm not saying to disregard the moments. The moments are important. But if all you see is the moment, you are missing out on the long-term perspective of living with Christ and walking with Christ. Why do moments give me anxiety? Because I'm not focused on eternity. Because I'm not focused on one, I don't care what happens tomorrow, what happens a week from now, or what happens 20 years from now. When it's my time to go, I am knees before the throne, throwing my riches at Jesus' feet. Because it lasts forever. We have to live in a place of longevity. 
We have to focus on longevity and realize the veil is gone. And when it is gone, I have something worth living for that remains forever and ever and ever and ever. The first thing we see, veil is gone. I have longevity with the Lord. I can walk with the Lord all my days. The second is this, clarity. Paul says when the veil is gone, you not only get longevity with God, but you get clarity with God. You can see clearly. Who wants to bust out? I can see clearly now. 2 Corinthians 3, 14-16. But the, Lord's, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil, watch what it covers now. The same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. Verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There are two veils. There are the veils that cover our mind and the veils that cover our heart. It is the veil that covers our mind that somebody said we weren't smart enough or we weren't good enough or we weren't uh, talented enough or we weren't good looking enough or fast enough or strong enough or popular enough. And it is this veil that covers our mind or the veil that covers our heart of being abused or being abandoned or being hurt so deeply by somebody else in another relationship relationship that all of a sudden these veils begin to cover the clarity that we desire from God the clarity that we're looking for and Paul says when that veil is gone by believing in Christ you find a new identity in Christ your mind becomes renewed you can think the things of God your heart can be restored your broken heart can be put back together again and you can learn how to forgive but that only happens when those veils are removed. The veils have to go. Veteran parents, where, where are you? I'll give you an illustration. Where Parents of two or more. Two or more. Let me see you. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in the room. Hey, veteran parents, we exchange funny stories. One of the stories that we exchange are stories about our kids, our kids' stuff, right? It's the, the stuff in the diaper, right? I'm trying to make lunch good for you. I'm using a certain type of word so you could still enjoy lunch. It's something that happens. Veteran parents, we just every now and uh, every parent has a story of their kid doing something crazy with their stuff and us having to clean it up. Ours came and, and look, my kids are going to be adults someday, so I have to protect their dignity. So I can't tell you which one it was. But I remember uh, Anna and I went into my child's room, and we could smell it right away. Stuff. We were like, oh, no. This is not good. Flipped the light on. The diaper was on the ground. And the, the, my child had stuff on their hands. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Your mom, you take care of this. And she took our child to the doctor, or to the, the doctor, to the bathroom, to the tub, and, and was cleaning her up. And I was in there, and I was trying to, 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 to clean their, I, I know I just said her, Ugh. But I, she was little, little bitty baby, just beautiful little baby. But I'm, I'm trying to clean up the room, right? And I'm, 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 I'm just pulling stuff out, and I'm trying to get the smell gone. I'm like, man, it still stinks in here. I don't know what to do. And I said, pull the bedding off. So we pull the bedding off, and, when, and she goes and washes the bedding, and I'm wiping everything down, and I'm still, I'm like, I don't know why, but it stinks so bad I can't figure it out. We pulled everything out of the room. I sprinkled this, like, carpet shampooer stuff. We vacuumed it up. We scrubbed the floor. It still stunk. I was like, I don't know 
know what is happening here, but I'm about to burn this house down if I can't get the smell out of this room. So I left, and when I left, Anna, all of a sudden I heard her scream, Luke, come up here now. All you veteran husbands, you know, that, that never is a good thing, right? That's never like, Luke, come up here now. I got this new outfit. What do you think? You know, it's like, it's always a disaster. So I come rushing up the stairs. When I get up there, Anna says, Luke. I said, what? She said, look up. I'm like, what? I looked up. My child had taken their stuff, mushed it into a ball, and Nolan Ryan that thing onto the ceiling. And it was splattered, and it was stuck on the ceiling. I was like, Lord in heaven, help me now, right? I got a ladder, and I scraped it all down. I sprayed it all. I wiped it all off. And and you know what happened? Something amazing happened. You want to know what happened? Smell went away. Smell went away. Isn't that amazing? Smell was gone, right? Yet, Yet how many of us go through life with stuff on our mind and stuff on our heart, and we can't figure out why our life stinks. We go through life with this stuff in our heart, with this stuff in our mind, and we're saying to ourselves, why do I have no clarity? Why am I frustrated? Why am I easily hurt? Why am I so given to anger? Because you haven't dealt with what happened to you five years ago. And that veil still rests on your heart. And that veil is sitting there and it's clouding your judgment. And it's messing with your decision making. And Paul is saying, Jesus is the only way to make that veil go away. So that you can live in clarity. There is clarity in the gospel. There's clarity to forgive. There's clarity to have hope again. There's clarity to find purpose. There's clarity to find identity. But you have to be willing to believe in Christ to make that veil go away. The final place he takes us. I love the progression here. He says, first of all, if you want it, he takes us to longevity you got a lifelong relationship here. Then he takes us to clarity, and now he finishes with liberty. There is liberty in Christ. It's not just longevity. It's not just clarity. But once you're living in longevity with Christ, and then you have clarity of how God has called you to live, you can live in the utmost liberty. 2 Corinthians 3, 17-18. For the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit can make us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You realize Jesus is the only person that can set you free. Jesus is the only place where you find freedom. Let me tell you something, whether or not you want to hear it, you are a slave to whatever you make your God. If you make money your God, you're a slave to your bank account. If you make your marriage your God, you are a slave to the approval or disapproval of your spouse or how they treat you or what they say to you. If you make friends your God, you are a slave to their approval. If you make influence and popularity your God, you are a slave to the like. 
Whatever you make your God, you are a slave to. Yet Paul is saying, Jesus wants you to commit to him and submit to him. And in return, he gives you freedom. Freedom. My son, uh, well, back up. So at my house, my, my hose is on the side of my house, and it's on a reel, and I almost stepped on a copperhead there a, a while back. So I'm a little gun-shy about that area. You know that, t- that place where you see that snake? Every time you go back to that place, you're like, oh, checking everywhere. And so I, I'm already gun-shy, and, and then I, I go and I, I grab my hose, and I was looking at something in my neighbor's house, and when I grabbed my hose, one of those, what is up with these lizards everywhere? These li- I mean, can we just, can the Lord make that plague go away? And so I re- and I grabbed the hose, and a lizard is in between that hose, and that thing starts squirming. And I thought I picked up a snake on my hose. And can I tell you something? I, I thought I forgot the words that I started saying when that happened. I was like, I had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I didn't even know I still remembered those things. But it freaked me out. So bad, scared me to death, right? I thought I picked up this snake. So we were in my garage the other day, Canaan and I were, and we were breaking down Amazon boxes. And when we were breaking them down, we lifted up this box, and this stinking lizard jumps across and runs across my hand. I threw that box, screamed out loud. Canaan freaked out. He's like, what, Daddy? I said, it was a lizard. And he said, a lizard? I'm like, oh, no, no. He said, Daddy, can we keep it? Where is it? And he goes over and he looked in the box and he said, he said, Daddy, can I keep this lizard? I said, you want to give it a name? He said, yeah. I said, what do you want to name it? He said, Ed. I said, Ed Doolin? He said, yeah, Ed Doolin. So we had a lizard. Ed's on our welcome team, wherever Ed is. Our, our, we had Ed Doolin in our house, right? And so he's had this lizard and he's got it in the box. He's like, oh, Daddy, look at Ed Doolin. He's so cute. You know, I love him and everything else. And then it came time for us to leave. And I was like, and, and Canaan said, okay, Daddy, I, hang on, let me, let me box him up and make sure he stays. And I said, no, 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 son. And we had this, this really cool father-son moment where I pulled him aside and I said, listen, bud. I said, you, you can't keep him. Because if you box him up and you try to keep him, he's going to die. If you want him to live, you have to let him go. And so Canaan, he takes the box and he goes to the end of the drive and he tilts the, the box down, you know, and we watch Ed Doolin run out and run across the, the walk. And, and I said, son, you did a good job. You did a good job. You wanted him to live. Do you realize that Jesus wants you so that he can turn you free to live? You realize that he wants to receive you so that he can turn you free to live, so that you can live in freedom, in true freedom, fully satisfied by his presence in your life. Jesus is asking you to come and to submit to him so that he can set you free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on. Come free today. Step into freedom today. Walk into freedom today. Live free for the first time in your life. Find freedom today. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.